What could possibly be cooler than banking five figures trading profit as a high school student? In this episode of the Humble Traders Podcast, you are going to learn from a 25-year-old trader who has been trading part-time since he was only 18. True story, I met this trader online and formed a trading group with him almost seven years ago. And I found out much later that he was only in high school at the time. When his peers were still climbing the ranks on League of Legends, this high school student, Adam, had already been making money to pay for his college tuition. to the Humble Traders Podcast. Hey, thank you for having me. Yeah, we've been talking for a few years online and via Discord, but this is my first time meeting you in person, so very honored to have you. You're definitely one of the youngest, but also a baller trader that I know, so I'm really honored to have you here. I appreciate that. Did you, uh, I was going to say, yeah. uh, it's a pleasure if you have me on uh-huh. the show. Um, very excited to meet you. You know, we've talked so much over the years and you know, it's awesome to see the face in person, mm. and uh, I'm excited. So Adam, tell our audience, what kind of trader are you, and how do you make a living out of it? Um, I'd say I'm more of an opportunity trader, so mm. I like to look on the outside world, kind of just generate ideas, whether, you know, I'm going for a walk, um, traveling, I always like to look around and be observant of the kind of trends I'm seeing in the real world, and then I go to the markets and use financial instruments to try to, you know, capitalize on those. Okay, and what kind of instruments do you kind of lean towards? Stocks, options, or? So I started with stocks, um, but once I found options and realized the power they had with leverage, I really started focusing on that. Um, Although they're a lot more difficult than regular stocks, Mm -hmm. if you can find your edge in them, I realized that you can kind of create much bigger returns as opposed to regular, just general stocks, Mm -hmm. as well as being able to kind of hedge positions. So if I had the capital that would cost for one stock trade, I could put on two or three option trades with the same amount of capital. So mainly options and then a little bit of futures trading as well, more mm-hmm. recently. Oh, I see. You started with stocks. Okay. I think that's most people, especially uh, from the community we were both in, everyone started with stocks. And I think it's very interesting to see where everyone went. Yeah. Yeah. So moving on to present day, I know you mentioned nowadays you're more of an opportunities trader. Um, can you talk about a little bit with us about what that means and how do you spot opportunities in the market in a general sense? Yeah, so um, I like to just see my general life, say, you know, when I first got into oil, yeah. I was traveling um, to Canada, actually. Oh, okay. And I saw a bunch of these oil shippers. I never saw them around where I'm from on the railroad, but a bunch of oil. So I was like, oh, what's this company? So I started looking into it. And that was when I started getting like my first oil trade. I ended up going to XOM after reading more about it. I'm like, why is there so much oil moving back and forth? Okay. Another way I'd like to describe it is like clothing. So I'm into fashion a little bit. This past year, um, like old money has been a new trend. Yeah. So it's kind of like something like this, this shirt, yeah. for example. Something simple, no logo. Yeah, no yeah. logos, simple, uh, you know, light colors where they're just very plain, blacks, tans, uh, everything to that extent. Yeah. I was like, all right, who's making this? So I go uh, in the mall. Oh, okay. And sure enough, you walk down, Abercrombie and Fitch, uh, <clears throat> Abercrombie Fitch yeah. has actually changed all their stuff to it. Oh. So you go into Abercrombie and Fitch, you can see basically clothing like this um, all over the place. Mm. That, you know, kind of had me thinking, like, oh, you know, is there an opportunity here? Mm. Abercrombie and Fitch is traded on the stock market. Yeah. If you look what their earnings have done the past two, it's. 
they've exploded. Yeah. Absolutely exploded. Hmm. And that was just me noticing, being on Instagram, seeing everyone posting wearing this type of clothes, seeing that you know the trend this year for back to school looks like this. Hmm. Kind of just seeing opportunities like that. It also gives me some conviction as well as I'm, I see it literally with my own eyes. Yeah. Um, if I, if I'm, sometimes when I'm trading gas and oil, I'll go to the pump and I'll see it's $5 and a month ago it was 440 mm. You know, I'm like, oh, wow. These companies, they have their oil reserves from months ago. They're not paying more for oil now. Yeah. They already have all this oil. So now they're just paying, selling at market price, which is way higher. Mm. That's like another way where I'll start to see it around me and try to put some capital into it as well. I see. So you see these opportunities in real life and how do you actually execute on those opportunities? So from seeing them in real life, yeah. we have to kind of see, all right, am I just seeing something here mm-hmm. or is there actually an opportunity? Where are these, is there any vehicle I can get in to yeah. maximize on this? Um, so from there, I'll kind of look, if there is a stock, now I'll look at the stock, see where it's trading at. Is it trading at highs? Is it trading at lows? When are earnings coming up? Is there any news that's out there? Because sometimes companies will put out a news report and talk mm. about something that's happening in six months. Or you go yeah. into SEC filings, which I used to love doing, yeah. and you can really find some dirt on some companies and <laughs> yeah. see something over there. Mm-hmm. So I'll do my due diligence like that. Mm-hmm. And then I just usually wait. Sometimes, um, recently, ChatGTB, this was probably my very recent trade. Mm-hmm. Chegg is a company I used to use all the time for school. So after I do my homework, I like to check it to make sure I did good. So Chegg is basically like a tutor for you, oh, online tutor. Okay. When ChatGTB came out, Chegg, everyone's just using ChatGTB as ChatGTB was free and Chegg is a paid for service. Oh, I see. So, you know, Chegg, you'd pay 15 bucks a month if you <laughs> needed help with your homework. You could ask, ask an online tutor and they'd help <laughs> with everything. Now, ChatGTB came out and people are just going to use that because it's free. Who wants to pay 15 bucks a month when we can do it for free? Oh, yeah. Makes sense. Okay. So I you know, was doing the earnings calendar like I like to do during earnings season. Mm-hmm. I saw Chegg was coming up. Sure enough, their earnings was coming. And I kind of had the idea. I'm like, oh, you know, ChatGTB, they've been dominating it. It's everything I see online. Everyone I talk to, they're talking about trying to make a million dollars using ChatGTB. Mm. So I realized, you know, wait, this is going to take out Chegg completely. They're going to be ruined. This is a free service oh, yeah. doing a better job answering students' questions than the paid-for one. Okay. Um, earnings came out. They dropped nearly 50%. Hmm. Had some options on that, 1,000% overnight. Uh, okay. So that's like kind of that trade, though. I saw it on the earnings calendar, hmm. and earnings was in two days, so I really had to just get right on it. Oh, so how did you decide at that point to either take options, the put options, or take the actual short on equity? Like, how do you decide which instrument to play? So since I came across options, especially for earnings, um, at the end of the day, I'm only risking what I put up there. Yeah. So a short position, God forbid I was wrong and that thing squeezed up against me. Hmm. The risk is you know, unlimited, basically, when you go short. You yeah. don't have to stop there. Granted, how earnings could be. Mm-hmm fairly unlimited risk. Yeah. With an option, I know what my risk is. You know, if I want to put $10,000 into it, I'm not going to lose 11 or 20 ever. Mm. I'm only going to lose whatever's there. I see. Um, so for earnings, I like the options because the returns can be very, very high. Yeah. Especially if you find something with a high delta. So that Chegg play, they cost around 100 bucks an option, mm. and they had a 0.98 delta. 
Okay. So that means for every dollar Chegg moved down, I was basically making 100%. Yeah. You know, they gapped down over $10. So I was able to make out pretty nice on that one. I see. When you day trade, you don't risk all that 100%. Yeah. So when you swing trade, how much do you risk? Is what I'm saying. So yeah. if I'm swinging, so that yeah. was an earnings play. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to earnings, it's the probabilities you can be right in every aspect and still be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they can be every line yeah. and then your trade's still wrong. So I stopped getting so convicted into these trades mm. just because of the fact I can be right on every aspect, fundamentals, yeah. the technicals, you know, um, future proje projections, all these aspects can be right. The report comes out, I look at it, I nailed it. And then I look at the stock price and it's down 20%. Mm. And that got to me a few times yeah. at having that big conviction. So now with the options, I usually risk a little more if I'm going to do earnings. And mm. that was a opportunity with that trade idea to, you know, that was willing to put on that extra risk because I knew what could possibly happen to check. I knew that oh, it could be extremely detrimental. And it's more of a, almost like a fundamental play. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So on a day-to-day -day basis, when you're day trading intraday, do you utilize more fundamentals or technicals? So both. Um, okay. Definitely always both. And macroeconomics mm. a lot. Okay. That's how I would consider fundamentals. Um, yeah. Every week, you know, some weeks there's more than others. There's always events coming out and key data points that Jerome Powell is looking at. Yeah. <laughs> either hike rates or yeah. keep them the same or lower them. So once I kind of started seeing, okay, why at 10 o'clock are we breaking out a candle that's so massive? Hmm. Well, it's because PPI just came out. Yeah. Or, you know, new home sales or retail sales or uh -huh. CPI. Or why yeah. did we gap up yesterday? Well, there's CPI at 8.30 a.m., which, you know, brought the market all the way up. So I always like to look at the economic calendar when I'm trading. Uh -huh. Really be aware of what catalysts are going to happen this week and what times are going to be at. Because it's not random. Okay. They happen at the same time every week. Essentially, you're taking advantage of the volatility from the economic data release. Yes. Yeah. I see. So can you walk us through, like, a, let's say an example of that trade and how would you execute and what's the strategy like? Yeah. So, um, so for day trading, say I wake up in the morning, I know we have CPI 830. Yeah. So I'm going to look at these numbers. I'll make my own projections based off what I see in the real world. You know, what I'm noticing are people complaining um, about like what they're paying for fruit. Are they complaining about the grocery store prices? Are they complaining about gas prices? When I you know go out and I hear everyone's complaining about prices, yeah, I'll have a pretty hard assumption that you know CPI is pretty high up there and it's not going to mm -hmm. be a good number. Bad number is going to bring down the market. So from there, I go to the charts. I look for my key pivots. Okay. See a key level. Um, wait for that key level. If say if it's before the news event, so. Could be at eight o'clock i'm at a key pivot point i know at 8 30 this news is going to come out so if there's an opportunity there i'll get in i'll still risk a very low amount because mm. we're playing news catalyst here so okay. it can really go you know hammer candle against you yeah or spike to the moon <laughs> sometimes <laughs> yeah <laughs> so you know knowing what to risk you know doing this trade with no stop loss would be super risky mm. but getting in on a key pivot a tight stop loss knowing that in 20 minutes we're gonna have this catalyst that should project for um, CPI to be higher and which should result in the sell-off in the market. Yeah. I'm able to be confident that, all right, I can get in 20 minutes early, be ready. I know that my stop's here, so I'm yeah. either gonna you know, take a break-even trade, or lose a little bit, or it's gonna work out. And I'm gonna look like a wizard almost because mm -hmm. at 8.30 that data's coming out and 
every hedge fund is looking at this data to make it a you know an, a pretty educated investment. So yeah. are they either going to be selling off or are they going to hold it through it? And from there, you know, sometimes I don't always like getting in before a news article or <clears throat> a macro event. This is a fact that it is really risky. Um, so other times I like to say at 10 o'clock if I know something's coming out. That usually won't be as big of a mover as an 8.30 event. So at 10 o'clock it's coming out. I might wait for the news to come out, see what the numbers are. Because usually we can see a big candle down and then it recovers right away. Okay. Other times you see a big candle down and it keeps going, or a big candle up and it just keeps going. So depending on where my risk is for the week, if I had a good week the week prior, I like to push it a little bit more. Oh, um, I see. Smaller week, you know, I won't take those as risky trades because getting in and trying to predict the market can be very profitable, but it mm. also... Risky, <laughs> risky too, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> on the topic of risk, what's the... Do you mind sharing what's your biggest loss ever and then your biggest win ever? Yeah. yeah. So my biggest loss was through a position with JP Morgan. Okay. <laughs> Believe it or not. <laughs> um, so yeah, so this position I had an options trade on. It ended up getting exercised while I was in college. So oh. I was part-time trading. Yeah. But not really part-time trading. I was just buying things big size oh, and then no. hoping it'd work out. Okay. Um, so this position, you know, I thought it was a great trade. You know, three days into it, I'm down a substantial amount. Mm. A week later, down even more substantial amount. Oh no. <laughs> so it's a swing trade? Yeah. Oh, okay. So my biggest loss is from a swing. Oh, okay. Um, as the trade went on, it ended up going down even worse. So I get to the point where you know, I was in college and it was a lot of money. People around me were working all year to have this amount of money, and I just oh, lost no. it in the matter of two weeks. Yeah. So it really kind of got to me, so I was like, you know what, I'm not trading the rest of this month. Close my computer, come back to my computer. Turned out they went in the money, and now I had shares. Oh, okay. So, and the shares were down a lot. Oh, no. So you lost the money on the options and yeah. then the shares, okay. Yeah, and the shares were down a lot. Uh -huh. So... This is probably one of my most memorable trades too because I logged on my computer and saw my account value was extremely high number, except in the opposite. Yeah. Because yeah, it was all on margin. Yeah. Oh no. So, you know, it was nearly $300,000 on margin that my broker didn't, you know, come call me and say, hey yeah. Adam, you sure you want to do this? No, they just decided, yep, you're taking these, uh, you bought the contract, yeah. so here are the shares you wanted. Oh no. And that was probably one of like the biggest like eye-opening moments for me because yeah. I realized that if I really want to make this happen, I can't let doing stuff like this take yeah. back months of work. Yeah. So I worked so hard to make this money yeah. and then just, you know, walking away, shutting my computer off for two weeks results in such a massive loss. Yeah. Um, I was very fortunate because I didn't just freak out and close the position. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, my broker didn't close the position on me. Uh, due to you know how much size was on there yeah and i ended up holding it for a little bit and you know it was pretty big loss um it wasn't anything crazy like six figures mm -hmm. um, okay but you know it did end up turning into a five-figure loss still mm -hmm. which hurt a lot yeah except it could have been triple the size um, yeah i was able to hold it for a week and thankfully jp morgan was able to slowly make its way back up yeah by the time i sold it you know i recovered probably 60 percent 80 percent of 
the additional after losing all the premium on the options, which right. was already yeah, already five a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so that that loss really got to me, and not only the money aspect, just it showed me how how wrong you could really you know you can think you're only risking a certain amount, and that's what I thought with options too. I didn't yeah. even know about exercising back then or oh, okay. trying to do that. And that experience was just turned into a big loss, mm-hmm. which turned into an even bigger loss, yeah. which turned into a massive loss, yeah. which I was luckily able to hold on for a little bit mm. and recoup it. I see. What about your biggest win ever? So my biggest win, I've had a few winners that have all been kind of like around the same size. Mm-hmm. Um, during the Ukraine war was probably like my most recent really big win, uh, which was last year. So XOM and Wheat were the two tickers. So I was trading, I didn't know about Wheat futures at the time, but I- Wheat? Yeah, Wheat. Oh, okay. Like the commodity. Yeah. So uh, on the actual exchange, they have an ETF for Wheat. I didn't know how to trade the commodity then. And uh, during the war, they basically cut off with Russia. They control a big portion of the oil supply. Okay. As well as uh, Ukraine exported, I think, 40% of wheat for the entire world. Hmm. So now yeah. they went from f- exporting 40% of the world's wheat source to being having missiles coming at them. Yeah. Just complete, you know, insanity. So I knew this was going to mess up a lot of things. With this, as Russia started taking, you know, going more into it, and the war started to progress even more quickly, the oil lines started getting shut off the wheat exports got shut down. Yeah. So now all these millions of pounds of wheat that were getting exported, you know, one day, not there. Next day, not there. Next day, not there. And I noticed um, wheat wasn't moving yet, and either was XOM. Oh, okay. So I started looking at the options, and they had great deltas. They were super low premiums. So I started getting into this. And quickly, they started moving 100% day, 200% the next day. 300% the next day. And as I started, you know, talking about it, more and more people around me started talking about it too, started putting their money into it. Mm. So that trade, I'd like to think of it as one of my biggest, not because of how much just I made personally, but people around me made a lot of money too, mm. which was a really amazing feeling to not only know each morning when I saw it up 100%, you know, 10 of people I really care about around yeah. me were also seeing the same number on their screen. Mm. So that was a really uh, amazing trade. As went like two weeks, almost every single day, 100% return, 100% return, oh. 100% return, mm-hmm. um, till you know it hit the top a little bit. You saw a red day, you saw the second red day, and we just called it there. And uh, by that point, we already swung it for nearly two weeks. Yeah, I swung it, and a lot of my buddies swung it as well. And you know, that time I was able to leverage two vehicles off one trade idea because it was oil and wheat. So yeah. I was able to double capitalize on this. Oh, were you loan the futures contracts? So just options. So XOM oh, okay. uh, and then wheat, the ETF for wheat. Oh, okay. So they even know there's an ETF for wheat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hi, traders. If you're enjoying this interview, please remember to leave a five-star review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I love reading your reviews every week. My team and I really putting a lot of work and travel behind the scenes to make these trader interviews possible. And we really appreciate all your support. Are there tools that you use, tools for trading that you use for like research or what are some of your must-have tools? 
So some of my must-have tools is I really like to use my broker's resources. Mm-hmm. So I started with TD Ameritrade, E-Trade to begin. As those yeah. were kind of the two. When I started seven years ago, those were kind of the two main brokers you'd see. And as the years have gone on, um, they've been acquired by more prestigious banks. Yeah. And their research is actually, if you're a client of them on the platform, you get all their research. So you can oh. go right into the portal and go see every research report that Barclays puts out, that JP Morgan puts out, that Morgan Stanley put out, um, just by using your broker's resources. Oh. So that's something I don't think a lot of people realize they can do. Yeah. That's something I definitely use a lot. Uh, Bloomberg is definitely my number one source. I just love it. It's mm-hmm. entertainment a little bit. I somehow find comedy in it. But it's just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. spoken like a true trader. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I find myself laughing at Bloomberg sometimes. Oh my God. <laughs> It's funny. Normal people don't even want to watch Bloomberg. <laughs> they watch it and fall asleep. You watch it and you find comedy in it. Okay. Yeah, people see me watching and like, why are you watching the news? I was like, this is my TV show. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> so Bloomberg's awesome. And not only is it enjoyable to watch, they have really great sources there. You can see a bunch of CEOs talking about their companies, a mm. um, bunch of hedge fund managers talking about what they see in the market, yeah. their opinions. and. Just hearing everyone's opinion in the market, I mean, you can watch it for, I watch it all day, um, mm-hmm. but if you really just sit there and watch it for 30 minutes, you'd be surprised what you can kind of pull out of it and even yeah. the ideas you can generate just mm-hmm. listening to it. Okay. For a screener, I really like Finviz. It's mm-hmm. free. So yeah. I've always been someone, you know, I started, you know, as a high schooler. So yeah. I didn't have, you know, exactly a bunch of money to just be throwing in at all these, you know, lessons and mm-hmm. stuff like that and softwares. So I looked for a lot of the free things, and it's funny that even now I still am able to use all these free softwares. You yeah. Know, E-Trade, they offer Bloomberg for free, so mm. I use the Bloomberg subscription through them. Okay. You know, I have a trading account with them, so I'm not sure how it works if you don't have an account, but for them, I, you know, I get to get that for free. Finvizinvesting.com, I love that website. Mm. You know, I have everything from commodities, macroeconomics, yeah. um, everything is on investing.com, it's awesome. That's a really big resource I would recommend as well. Yeah, it's interesting because you don't really need to go that fancy with the tools. Yeah. I, I do use some premium tools, but I think for traders who are new, new to experience, like as long as you find whatever you need, like you yeah. don't need like to pay for like fancy tools. Exactly. Yeah. The fancy tools, like the Bloomberg subscription, is over twenty thousand a year. Yeah. The the terminal. terminal right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> of course. So if you have a terminal, you're gonna get an edge there for sure. Yeah. But if you can't afford the terminal and you want to use their free stuff, mm-hmm. start there. Make it a little bit easier for yourself. And, yeah. You know, try to cut some of the overhead costs. Mm. At the end of the day, if you can cut overhead costs, yeah. you know, you can kind of allow yourself more of a chance to succeed if you're managing your capital, right? And when you do see the opportunity to fully put in, you know, towards a software or a paid service, then yeah. you can hop in it. Um, you know, save that money in the meantime before you really know what you're doing as opposed to getting something and being overwhelmed and not understanding all the features it's yeah can be a little difficult yeah that's what happened to me when i first started i had all these different scanners mm-hmm. especially like different subscriptions scanners website research i didn't know how to use any of them so yeah. that was useless <laughs> for me at the time anyways what's your favorite strategy that you are trading in the current environment right now was it and what kind of instruments so I like the indexes a lot right now Yeah. Um, due to how I can size into them and not be worried at all about 
getting stuck in a position. So I really love the indexes. My favorite strategy for them has to be with gaps. I love gaps. Mm -hmm. They always say a gap always gets filled. And yeah. I'm, I might be one to say it does. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, if you look at the probabilities, I love numbers and like looking at numbers in the long run, gaps almost always fill. Are you talking about gap up or gap down? Both. So mm -hmm. um, the gaps ups and down. I mean, depending on the company, I usually trade the SPY. So it's oh, the 500 best companies. It's not yeah, going to gap yeah. down and never come back, hopefully, at least. <laughs> True. Yeah. Uh, so I look forward in reputable companies that gap down. That's mm -hmm. like a big thing is companies that had something happen and that causes the gap, whether it's up or down. And then I look for them to kind of change it. So, you know, have a big gap down, but now they're starting to come back out with good earnings. All right. Now we're reapproaching that gap. That could be a great opportunity. Mm -hmm. Or if we gap up and now the company ends up messing up on something down the road, that would be a really good time to look to get that gap to come back down after they yeah. gapped up. Um, mm -hmm. Those two strategies I really enjoy. So gap fill long, gap fill short. I see. Okay. As well as big trends in the market. With uh, options or? Yeah. So okay. options as well. Um, they work really good, especially on the gaps because mm. Implied volatility really starts moving once you get into these gap locations because yeah. we don't really know how far down it's going to go. Mm. So if you can get just spike on the way down, the IV goes up and premiums just start jumping higher than you'd ever imagine. Mm. Uh, sometimes I'll have a trade. I'm like, oh, I'm aiming for 100 percent. But these gaps fill so viciously and so fast. Yeah. You'll blow through that profit target if you're looking for it. Options, trading options versus stocks. Do you think it's riskier to trade options? Yeah, or? I'd say options are more risky because there's more things you have to worry about. Yeah. Um, you can buy a stock and be relatively safe over the course of a week, a month, a year. Generally speaking, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Not all stocks. <laughs> okay. Um, depending on what you're buying. Yeah, yeah. But with an option, they're designed to go to zero. And yeah. You know, one of the best strategies out there is selling options. Mm, so it's collecting income. the premium. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it takes a lot more capital to do. Yeah. But that's, you know, they're really around for that reason. If you have some extra cash in your account, you want to generate some income, these big accounts, you know, they're selling options all day, every day, mm. selling options, generating, collecting that premium. Yeah. Cause it's just, it's how they're designed to work. But if mm. you can find those outliers that actually go at, at the money, go in the money, it can really start, um, Exponential returns. Yeah, it's yeah. like exponential returns as compared to, you know, just a stock position yeah, where I'm looking for. Which is more for... linear. Exactly. Oh, makes sense. Exactly. Um, okay, so we, earlier we just talked about your go-to setup, uh, your favorite setup, which is gap trading. Do you use any indicators to help you with that? Not really. Okay. Um, more of just the key levels. Any then... price action reading at all? Exactly. Or... So price action, you know, where the gaps are formed. Okay. Um, that's the main level I'm looking at to enter because, you know, you can predict a gap fill, mm -hmm. but reacting to one, you're going to find a lot more profitability and a lot more accuracy. Mm. You know, predicting is a two-way street. You, know, yeah. you can, you know, make out really good, but you can take a lot of trades that if you would have just waited 30 minutes, you would have been like, why would I even do this? Um, mm, I if see. I would have just waited, I would have never took this position. This would have right. been a dip buy. So I've kind of, especially with that strategy, became a bit more reactive. So if mm. sometimes I do get a little anxious, you know, want to get in this position, I see a great opportunity for a gap to fill. I'll get in and then, you know, goes back up, stops me out. All right, that's fine. Because then an hour later, when it actually comes back to that price, it usually 
flies right through it and I don't get that one to 10 risk reward, one to five risk reward, especially with the options, how they're designed. They can, you know, if you time the deltas right and get the right contract, right strike price, those things are gonna fly up in value. So um. keeping that idea of losing small and winning big has really helped me with the gap strategy. How do you plan out with options trading? Because I understand you're taking a spy puts mm-hmm. or, or calls depending on the gap. Um, how do you plan your entries with options and uh, in taking into consideration the key levels, the levels you talked about, and also the delta? Yeah. So with the key levels, those come very important. Yeah. As you know, when you buy an option, you need a strike price. So if I know the key levels, say 445. Mm-hmm. I see that, okay, there's a gap at 445. That's the top of the gap. And the bottom's at 444. You know, I look at the 445 calls. So I want something in the money. I won't go too far, or puts rather. I don't want to be too far out the money. I see. I want to be able to, I'd rather pay a little extra to get at the money, in the money. Yeah. You know, I could exercise those to get shares at the end of the day. They were worth something. Mm. We're just buying a contract. Yeah. So if it's not at the money, in the money, it's worth nothing when yeah. it expires. So that's kind of how I look at it is, all right, I'm buying something that has value right now. All right. If it's, you know, trading at 445.50, I know that 445 is the key level. So I could look at the 445 calls, say maybe VWAP's at 435. And mm-hmm. I say, all right, I might be able to pull in a little extra here, get a VWAP entry, see it start coming towards the gap level. And also, once it gets to that gap level, my options go in the money. So oh, now I see. My delta goes up even higher, mm-hmm. and I'm going to get paid even better. So that's kind of how I look at the key level. I'll usually use that as my strike price. Okay. And then as it approaches it, yeah, I'll either add into it. Sometimes I'll do pilot trading, so I'll take on you know a small position, just a couple contracts, you know, oh. very fractional size. Yeah. So use the pilot trade, and then once I have the confirmation, so the pilot would be at VWAP. Pilot. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I never like yeah. almost like a like a start like a start in with exactly. a small position. Okay. Yeah. So especially when it's a really big setup that I really like, uh-huh. I like to do this because it allows me to get a lot more size too. Oh. So okay. I'll start with. You know, it's supposed to be smaller size. Yeah. Uh, when but, you first start in, yeah. right? Okay. So I'll start. You know, smaller size. Yeah. And then once I have the con- as the confluences go in my direction, as I see VWAP get rejected, as I see 445 or 440. By 50, get liquidity swept now. I'm like, mm. all right, a bunch of people just got stopped out. I see. As more of these confluences come, it allows me to say, okay, when we get to 445, how heavy are we gonna hit this? And uh, once it gets there, it just comes to, all right, is this setup an A? Is it a B? Yeah. Is it an A? Because I usually will trade like B setups to A. That's kind of how I look at it. Yeah. So A, it fits every confluence. If it's, you know, if I'm going for a short, it's a red on the day. It's below VWAP. Yeah. It broke the key level. Uh-huh. Uh, the macro event was bad. Yeah. When it has all those catalysts and matches all the trend, it's downtrend. That's uh-huh. when I really will size into a gap fill short, and I see that and can really get into it. I know my contracts are at the money, about to go in the money. Yeah. Um, and then I'll look to sell on a red candle if I'm going short, green candle if I'm going long. Yeah. And that's due to IVing. So. Yeah. Don't get a li- be able to squeeze a little bit more money out if you catch it on that momentum going down. Um, you know, the market makers price in that you know this could keep going lower. They don't yeah. know exactly how low it's going to go. Yeah. So there can be a little mispricing. Yeah. Okay. And those are that's kind of how I go about it is mm. using the pilot, sizing into it once it starts working, and then exiting 
once we get to that key level. All on the same contract, the same strike price. Yeah, same strike okay, price. Okay, so you add in, you don't like roll out. No, when I diversify too much, I've okay. taken had worse red days when I over diversify. Mm, I see. So if I'm focused on you know one two stocks, sometimes on trading three. Yeah. But I really like to be able to like fully commit to this, mm. fully feel how it's trading. Okay. Um, have that full conviction onto it. Oh, do you ever use level two to help with the uh, price action reading when yeah. there's options? Okay. Yeah. So um, I'll use a level two just to kind of see, you know, where are things coming down. So, yeah, so I'll look at, you know, for example, uh, I'll look for my key levels. Mm -hmm. I'll see what level, how level two reacts around that. Yeah. Um, none on the options chain side. I'll just kind of have a time of sales for options. So oh, okay. I'll watch the actual tickers level two. So I'll oh, see how okay. it reacts to the strike price or uh, the key level. Because usually the key levels I trade off, I'll trade the same strike price. Mm. So I'll look to see, all right, is the bid getting hit and coming back down? Is it holding it? Yeah. Um, how like big are the buyers here? And then on the time and sales, I'll kind of see, all right, how much are people paying for this right now? And how many people are buying this contract? Mm. And okay. fr from there, I don't think a lot of platforms allow you to kind of see the exact prices. Um, at least not default. You kind of got to know how to set it up. So setting oh. up to have that time of sales on your options chain and a chart on your options chain I allow see. you to, you know, I'm a visual learner. So when mm -hmm. I see prices down or high, yeah, I kind of know, all right, this is a good opportunity here to get in for pretty cheap or people are just throwing crazy money at this. And yeah, uh, at the on the level two, I'm seeing all of a sudden a hundred lots going through. Hmm. So that can be another or a thousand lots. Once I see those coming through, it's kind of like how I like to use level two in time of sales to see almost like the dark pool data, hmm. seeing these bigger orders that are abnormal. So I see what's normal for it. And then I look for abnormalities, which may be a little sign that something uh, big might happen soon. And do you utilize the same method when you're planning your exit and your risk? Also key levels or? Yeah. Okay. So same thing. I use my key levels. Yeah. Um, I like to get out when they approach them. I usually have pretty big ranges. So for selling to target. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So my charts have a lot of lines across them. Yeah. Um, I'll really do them every so often as you know, I start to see, okay, maybe this level is losing its accuracy or its, its power. Hmm. But sometimes I can leave my charts and not have to do any work for yeah. a little bit. I can go a whole month without having to do any analysis. Yeah. I've already done it all yeah. last month and we're in the same range. So yeah. I love when the SPY pulls back when it was breaking out to all time highs mm -hmm. or going towards them. I started to get a little worried because I was like, oh, is my strategy gonna work? Like, I know how to train in between the ranges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? But when it breaks out, there's no no top range. Yeah. Oh, so I So that's see back to the original yeah. strategy, though. Okay. The all-time highs and the 52-week high strategy. Yeah. So in that case, do you still, back then you were trading stocks. So in this case, do you wait for pullback and get in on options now? Yeah, so I, I like uh, to, I'm not really that big of a uh, breakout trader as yeah. much. I like the pullbacks. I just like mm. precisions would like really gets me in this game. Being able to say, okay, I think the top's gonna be at 445, 60. Yeah. And it's insane if you do the right analysis, you really can be precise. You know, yeah. People say you can't call the top or bottom. Mm. I beg to differ because I've done it time and time again. Mm. And I didn't know for a fact that this was gonna be the top or this yeah. was gonna be the bottom by any means. Mm. But I did know that that price level is very important. And historically, yeah. for the past, you know, sometimes I use levels that were 20 years old. I look back so far, depending on where the market's trading. Yeah. So 
you can get that level of precision because a lot of the things repeat themselves in the market. Um, so I, I trust my levels and I know now that they do have power. So it's interesting because you, you do look at both the macroeconomics, basically and fundamentals, as well as the technicals. Yeah. It's almost like they're, well, they probably are equally as important to you. Yeah. Oh, and when trading me, yeah. and swing trading, okay. Yeah, for both of them. Yeah. Just, I like, especially, when, you know, start being really confident in your trades. Yeah. The more confluences there are, you know, the more things that overlap just allows you to be like, all right, you know, why, why, would I, why should I not take this trade? It's yeah. like almost, it's easier to commit, you know, it's hard to even fathom, why would I not take this trade when there's so many things in this strategy that's been tested that you've been working on for so long? Yeah. Just line up. and. Mm. For me, when those work out the most is when I look at the macros, I know the economic yeah. calendar, I know all the fundamentals for the company or the economy, you know, for SPY, uh, yeah. the world, what's going on in the world. And then I use my technical analysis that most people, you know, aren't as good at. Like when I was in college, I never saw anyone use technical analysis. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, you looking for these certain levels, it was yeah. just, oh, it's pulling back, you know, maybe we should buy it. Not, it's pulling back to, X price, this is a good buy. I see. And that level of precision just kind of, it drives you to always improve myself every day, mm. you know, looking for this precision and trusting the levels is the biggest thing. You gotta plan it. What yeah. I like always say in chat all the time, plan it, stalk it, execute it. Yeah. So we make the game plan in the morning, yeah. we post all of our levels, we say, all right, we're looking at, you know, this week was 4,500 on SPY. Mm -hmm. When it gets to 45, you know, when it's above 4,500, I don't tell people straight up, I'm not interested in trading at all today. But when we're at 4,500, yeah. that's where I'm looking to either go long or short. Yeah. I don't know what opportunity we're going to have today. I'm going to have to watch price action. Yeah. But I can tell you that at 8.30 a.m. what my game plan is. Mm. So and then at 10 or 1 or 3, when I make that trade, you can go back and say, all right. And I know all day I'm waiting for this level. So when it gets there, I've already took my shower and have the chart in my head. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's something I like to do. I like to like almost envision it before it even happens. Uh -huh. You know, I watch the markets 24 seven, so yeah. I know exactly what the chart looks like. I can mm. draw it out on a piece of paper most days. <laughs> so how many trades on average do you take per day? It seems like you're very selective. Yeah, so usually around four. Okay. Um, that's if depending if I get liquidity swept, which you know can happen sometimes. And, yeah. Sometimes I'm early on a trade idea. I, mm -hmm. Not perfect, unfortunately. Yeah. I wish I could master it forever, but I yeah. feel like I'm going to be learning forever in this uh, industry. Yeah. Of course, yeah. <laughs> Which is nice, you know, if learning something new every day has kind of been my motto ever since I was young, you know, try to learn something new every day. Yeah. And uh, with trading, it's very much like that. Has your risk tolerance changed over the years? from obviously from when you were trading in high school, then in college, and now all the college. How has that transitioned? Yeah, so as the years have gone on, um, mm. I've taken on more risk now, but yeah. I took on kind of silly risk in the past, you know, not, you know, I wasn't really worried to go to zero. Now I have responsibilities and, you know, I don't want to risk ever doing that. Mm. So it kind of gets to the point where it's like, you know, you made out good. Do you just yeah. take it and run or do you continue to keep compounding this and compounding it, you know, like Warren Buffett does, Yeah. You know? Um, so I've looked, you know, I try to look at the big picture now and see that this money, you know, if I can continue to compound it and just do what works, it's going to continue to grow past my wildest imagination.
because uh, that's usually what it does when i have a good trading day yeah i never wake up that day and say today's the day that you know i'm gonna kill it in the market <laughs> <laughs> it's usually the opposite when i do that right, yeah <laughs> it's you know i come back from lunch and there's an opportunity there that i, I was like oh wow this is a really good opportunity mm. and there was macros events today like everything is lining up yeah and this is right with my game plan and then it just plays out mm. so you know having more responsibilities and as you get older there's you know more things you want to do and yeah you don't you don't want to risk going into you know any issues once you already make it you don't want to risk going back to it so we talked about earlier that we both have a mutual mentor oren how did you find him and what was your experience working with him like yeah so um right after college i mean right after high school yeah i uh was on twitter so that was ah. kind of uh Twitter, you know, it still is really popular for yeah. finance, you know. My Twitter, at least, has nothing but finance on there. Mm. I know some people's is probably a little bit different, but mm. mine's is only finance. Yeah. Um, so I was on there, and Arane hosted uh, a live or Google Chats or something. Oh. So I saw him post it, yeah. and it was like 10 people could join. So I see it as a young high school graduate. I'm like, oh, my God, it's my opportunity. Oh, <laughs> so okay. So I join. And no one's saying anything the whole chat. So Arane goes and talks about his training. Yeah. It's like, does anyone have questions? It's just silent for like two minutes. Uh-huh. So, you know, I was like, all right, here's your opportunity. So I started talking a little bit and um, started asking questions. And he started asking me questions after I asked him a question. Yeah. You know, that's kind of his way of teaching is, yes. all right, are you asking me something you can find out on your own? <laughs> so uh, quickly, I started asking questions to another question and it turned into you know, maybe we talked for 20 minutes oh. on that phone call. No one else asked a single question yeah. on that whole call. So after that happened, I ended up DMing him, and I was like, you know, thank you so much. I really appreciate all the help. You know, I'd love to talk to you again. Never, never really heard anything. And then uh, like a week or two later, he reached out to me, and he was like, hey, um, you know, I see a little bit of myself in you. So <laughs> <laughs> Okay. He's like, you know, I want to help you out. Yeah. So he said, here's uh, my Skype. You know, a couple of weeks, I'm going to contact you. So I was oh. like, all right, I added him, and I was like, you know, maybe he'll message me, maybe you yeah. And I'm almost positive the first call I get from him was a video call. Uh-huh. So, you know, I was expecting maybe just message me, and now it's a video call. Yeah. So, you know, I picked it up, and we started chatting, and you know how it is sometimes with people. Some people, it's a little awkward, and other people, mm. it's just like you've known each other your whole life. Yeah. And, you know, quickly we started chatting, and... Um, talking about stocks and he was you know so much more advanced for me it was hard for me to offer value to him because mm-hmm. i knew the only way he would help me is if i could offer some type of value for him yeah you know, he's you know it's good to give back but it's always good to give back to people that are also looking to you know contribute yeah you know, i wasn't just looking to ask questions and not try to help him at all if i could um, so we started you know looking at stock research and at this time i was really into stocks too uh, this was before i went to college so i was just all day, 24 seven, it's the only thing I cared about. Researching, sending him ideas, and the bond just uh. slowly grew to talking about personal life issues, mm. and him you know, mentoring me through stuff in my personal life. And you know, as the years went on, we just kinda went less and less about uh, just stocks and stuff, and more about actually building a relationship and mm. talking, you know, talk about the market for a little bit, and then we talk about our own lives for an hour. Um, so that all started with, you know, joining a, a Google Hangout, yeah. which is wild. <laughs> wow, that's very different from how I found Oren. But yeah. I think eventually we ended up in the same Discord. I, I remember 
It was a couple of years after I met him. He started putting everyone he's talking to or chatting with, and mm. he just treats us as friends. Yeah. Right. So it was really <laughs> cool, even though they help. He helped us so much. Like he never expected much from as a return. Yeah. But I think naturally, obviously, when you do give back, um, you know, the the bond tends to become stronger. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So we all eventually ended up in a little discord. <laughs> I remember. I was trying to hide the fact that I was female for a long time. <laughs> Nobody knew. Uh-huh. And then Oren one day found out. And he's like, what? I never knew you were a girl. I'm like, yeah, well, I was trying to blend in. But yeah, it was a nice little community. So how did you find that community? Uh, well, I also, I was in a Penny Stock Gurus uh, program for, mm-hmm. and there's a forum. Okay. Yeah, and Oren was big on there. Oh, profit. Because yeah (laughs) because he shared so much yeah yeah so eventually he left and i was like well where are you going i'm going with you Mm -hmm. so that's when i joined and followed up and see wherever he he went to a couple of different places after but it ended up being we all ended up on the same discord many years later Hmm. yeah that's funny that's how i that's how i found his twitter was through that oh okay he took his twitter and his (laughs) property down yeah Yeah, i know they're all gone yeah, but good memories from that little server. <laughs> I met so many of uh, well, a lot of them. I lost. Uh, we don't keep in touch anymore. But we met. I met a lot of people. Like oh, just to chat with every single yeah. day. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, I'd love to reconnect with some of them because mm. you know we're all so close in there. Yeah, everyone was really you know on their grind. I guess yeah. you could say and really passionate about it and you know willing to show up every day. You know, yeah, every morning looking forward to it and being like oh you know where's so and so today? What's, yeah. What are they doing? <laughs> How do you think having a little, being part of a, you know, like a trading pod or a community helped you oh, when is, you are trading? I don't think you can succeed without it, honestly. Mm. If you don't have like-minded or similar-minded people around you. Yeah. I mean, everyone has their own dream. Yeah. Um, you know, you want to live your dream, not dream your life. That's one of my favorite quotes. Mm. Um, so, you know, having, explaining your dream to someone else, you know, they might not mean to, to make you sound, you know, a little out of it. Because uh, it's just not the dream that they have in their head. Yeah. So surrounding yourself with people that were given that same dream, you know, is so important because you realize, like, oh, you know, like, yeah, like this is, you know, I'm not like maybe crazy as some people may think of it, you know, to, to do these extraordinary things. Yeah. Um, there's people out there with the same goals as you. You're not the only one trying to, you know, better yourself. You know, you don't have to stay in this little pod your whole life. You can actually expand and take risks and. Yeah be you you don't have to hide it and that aspect is really cool because you know in, in the community i always talk to people and it's like all right we love trading but yeah then we also love eating food and like yeah we also enjoy going out and seeing this and mm-hmm. it always it's it's really nice because surrounding yourself with like-minded people just, yeah. it motivates you it keeps you more on point yeah um keeps you more consistent especially if you surround yourself with consistent people you're gonna you know you turn into whoever you surround yourself with so if you're in a community with people who are doing good and they're yeah. you know, following a trade plan every day, it's, you're going to feel like if you're not following your trade plan, you're going to be like, all right, well, you know, what, what am I smarter than everyone else? Like, no, like we're a team here. We should all yeah. be working together. And that's probably the biggest thing that I think retail traders struggle with. Yeah. You know, if you go work at a bank um, trading, you're going to have a boss over your shoulder. Yeah. And if you mess up, you know, you start losing money. You don't want to follow your rules. You're just going to lose your job. Yeah. When you're at home, it's like, yeah, it's you're going to go. not no accountability. <laughs> yeah. You're not trading on your own. You know, you really are yeah. going to fire yourself. 
<laughs> you know, some people will, but some people yeah. won't. <laughs> right. So uh. I think having that community of people around you is so pivotal. Yeah. Um, it'll help you so much, you know. You don't want to, you know, tie into anyone else's ideas too much, but having that support system is so big for, you know, when you're up to remind yourself, right, you know, you got to not be, you know, get your ego too big here. You're, yeah. you're on a good streak right now, but markets, you know, we never know what the markets are going to do. Yeah. They're going to stay irrational longer than we stay liquid every time. For sure. Uh, and that's, yeah. it's easy to forget things sometimes. Even if you write it in yeah. your notebook every day, it's easy to forget what you wrote three <laughs> days ago. Yeah. But if you have your buddy... To, you know, to help you out, they'll say, "Hey, mm. we just talked about this yesterday. Like, we're done trading for today. You know, you shouldn't be looking at any more setups." Yeah. Um, we've already took three trades. There's already been an A plus setup twice today. Maybe it's better just wait till the end of the week when there's a catalyst that we know is going to move the markets better. Mm. And sometimes we forget that, but when you're in a community, in a good community at least, yeah. you're uh, able to be reminded of that all the time. Mm. That's why I love our community. Yeah. <laughs> How long have you been trading now? So seven years now. Okay. I think we met about three, four years ago in yeah. the Discord community. Yeah, I think it was four years ago. Okay. About. And is it true that you were still in college? Well, what, what's the timeline? Because you look really young. So <laughs> when did you, how, how, what got you into stock trading in the first place? So 2016, I graduated high school. And during that time, uh, over the summer, I was working a summer job at a campground. I was just a desk attendant, so I had a lot of downtime. Yeah. During that time, I came across a video of someone trading stocks. They were very young. They were probably like 21. Okay. Um, they were buying their whole family MacBooks, which, you know, <laughs> who doesn't want to do that for their yeah. family? Uh-huh. <laughs> and it turns out he was trading stocks. Uh, penny stocks is where I first started getting into uh, things. Okay. So a lot of the cheap stocks, not sure if you remember Dry's, which was a big runner back yeah. in the day. Um, once I saw a move like dries, I mean, I was just hooked because I, I saw the potential it had. I saw young people, old people making fortunes off this. Hmm. Uh, so I knew if I really put in the time, I've always been entrepreneurial. I've started a lot of little businesses. You know, growing up, I used to sell gum and mod Xbox controllers. <laughs> so I knew, all right, you know, if I can treat this like a business, yeah. you know, maybe I can really make something out of it and have some freedom to, you know, you know maybe buy my family some MacBooks down the mm-hmm. road. Or, yeah. You know, be able to just be free and not really stressed out as to, you know, what's the future is going to hold on, kind of have control of it on my own, which is something I always wanted ever since I was young, was having control over my own future, mm. not relying on anyone else uh, for that power. So with trading, I saw that you can almost do it anywhere yeah. and, you know, the returns are whatever you put your mind to, you can really accomplish with it. Uh, so during that time, I continued to just you know, uh, dig deeper into it. I had more people around me asking me and, you know, they always on top of it, they'd hear about the stock market thing. I'd be the first person they'd text or call. Oh, <laughs> you became that guy yeah. in college. Okay. Yeah. And um, when I got to university and I yeah. actually started living there, it was during the time of Kronos Group. Mm. So when all the marijuana stocks went public. Okay. And that was, you know, kind of my first stock that was, a, it was cheap too, you know, I'd consider it a penny stock. I think it was around $7 a share when I first started yeah. buying into it. And, you know, everyone in college, they knew about it. And, you know, next thing you know, after Kronos starts doubling up 100%, everyone's posting about it, you know, Kronos uh, to the moon. And <laughs> So was it more of a swing trade for you or were you day trading at the time? So, yeah, during college, day trading wasn't really there for me opportunity-wise. Okay. Um, I was waking up a little bit later in the day. Yeah. A little more tired in the morning, kind of, you know, 
doing it half effort mm-hmm. and you can't go half effort. When I see. If you're trading, you got to be 100% into it. Yeah. Um, so I started doing swing trading because that's where okay. I saw some better opportunity. You know, I could go to classes. I wouldn't be, you know, stuck behind the computer all day. I can go out and socialize with people and have friends mm. and still, you know, make some money. Um, right. Okay. So you were trading part time as a student. Yeah, basically. definitely. So what's the process like? How do you manage schoolwork and then trading part time? Were you trading on your phone or laptop? How did you organize your schedule? So when you do want to trade, you are able to capitalize on the opportunities. Yeah. So a lot of mobile trading for sure. Okay. A lot of my laptop fans going crazy in class where they're so loud. Oh. It sounds, you know, like an You're airplane. You're in class. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> Until my computer sounded like it was going to explode, uh-huh. then I would have to turn it off. You have it like snuck under the desk and like trading? Well, in college, they were, you know, you're paying to be there. So my teachers uh, saw it and they were like, you know, you can either fine. pay attention or just throw thousands of dollars down the drain. And... <laughs> You know, I still learned. Yeah. But I probably could have learned more if I didn't have my laptop out so much. Oh, okay. Um, so when did you actually start to find like profitability in trading? Was it during college or? So it was actually before college. Oh, okay. Um, so before college, I was just living at home with my parents. Mm-hmm. My routine was very strict. You know, waking up at seven o'clock, doing my pre-market scan, going oh. for a walk. Um, I also didn't have a dog at the time. Mm. So I was you know, very locked in and I didn't really care too much about other people. Right. Which, you know, wasn't, I learned, you know, years later that shouldn't have focused so much. Uh, you know, it's worth it. But people are also very important too. Yeah. And I kind of just pushed everyone out and, you know, on my computer with a rain from, you know, yeah, 7 a.m. of course. <laughs> to 11 p.m. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I'd see my friends once a week here and there and talk to them. But I was really just on a really strict schedule and that, drive just every single day showing up making mistakes coming back at it the next day coming yeah. back at it the next day the next week really just allowed me to learn so quickly and i was very fortunate to have a mentor too who yeah. was very successful mm-hmm. so every day where i'd you know end up losing when i was learning and yeah. wasn't consistent i saw someone who had very similar ideas as me actually mm-hmm. making it so i see it really made me say all right you know how are you failing here mm-hmm. and once I started journaling, I mean, I have so many books upon notebooks upon notebooks upon notebooks of all my thoughts mm. from, you know, what I'm feeling, what I ate that day, if I exercised or not. And I, you know, I quickly started to realize after maybe six months to a year is when things really started turning pivotal with all the journaling and having yeah. someone to you know, see my trades, uh, talk to about you know, what I was thinking emotionally, how I felt really just helped so much. And, I was fortunate to start with a decent amount of trading capital. That's good. Um, and I also had little side businesses before, oh. which helped generate a little bit of money as well and always yeah. working on the summer. So I wasn't in a place where if I lost the money, I had to pay rent and yeah. you know, I had to take care of my dog. I was in a place where I was willing to go all in 100%. Oh. And I think that's maybe one of the reasons why I was able to succeed is yeah. Failure just wasn't an option for me. Okay, if you don't mind sharing with the audience, when you were starting trading, how much capital were you trading with? So I started with 5,000. Okay. And then quickly grew it to over the day trading, PDT mm. rule. Oh. And that's when I started. Kind of, At first when I go over the PDT rule, it was yeah. a little tricky because now I'm like, oh, I made it. Yeah, you gotta be <laughs> careful when you're just like a couple thousand over that threshold. Yeah. Oh, so and okay. then that's when I finally get like the first taste of kind of being a little nervous. Um, once I get over the PDT rule. I see. And then, you know, 
After about a month or two, I realized, you know, you can't. You got to treat it just like you were treating it before, you know. Stop looking at the numbers. Stop looking yeah. at your P&L. Just trade the chart, trade the setup, and then at the end of the week, we'll look. When you were growing your account from 5,000, because from 5,000 to 25,000, that's, that's no small feat, right? This is the, what, 500% return? Yeah, yeah. I'm doing the math, right? Yes, yep. I am. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the strategy or which strategies did you lean towards that you think gave you that kind of risk award to scale up your account? So at that time, I was looking for mainly breakouts on the daily chart okay. uh, around all-time highs. Yeah. So very simple strategy. Just would go on Finviz. It's like a stock scanner. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. Mm -hmm. Go on there, look at all the stocks near their all-time highs. Um, and I would just run through it. You know, I'd usually some yeah. days I get 20 of them, some days I get three of them. And, okay. I, you know, I'd watch for them to look at that level, see if there's any news catalyst. Because I started realizing, okay, if there's news, it seems like these stocks are breaking out more often and they're actually mm -hmm. holding the previous yeah. all-time high. So yeah. if I can just buy at the previous all-time high, then I'll be decently good, especially if they have a good news source. Mm. So that was the first strategy I had. Yeah. Was just buying these daily chart breakouts, looking for all-time highs around there. Yeah. Or 52-week highs as well. Um, and from there, just dip buying them once they would break it or breakout buying them once they approached it. It's, it's funny because I, since we learned from the same person originally, that sounds so familiar. <laughs> I remember we used to post charts in yeah. Discord. Like you would share it, he would share it, he would do videos on it. Uh -huh. It just sounds so familiar. <laughs> I'm like reliving those times when I'm just at home and like talking and laughing to myself on Discord. Just looking for all these all-time yeah, highs yeah. and two-week highs. Oh, and that simple. strategy still works yeah. as long as you are very like specific with your criteria and how exactly. you look for it. So no, it just brings back really, really good <laughs> memories, actually. Yeah. I know this is not about me, but I was trading, uh, trading part time. Mm -hmm. So I, I was, oh, I still am on the West Coast. So I always used to be so envy of you, envious of you and Oren that you guys can stay on and trade <laughs> when I have to leave um, at eight o'clock my time. That'll be 11 o'clock uh -huh. Eastern. Yeah, I remember those days. <laughs> yeah, it was, the East Coast was nice. And yeah. Arane was in Jamaica for a while too, so mm -hmm. he even had an even earlier time. Oh yeah, that's true. I think he had like, an, he got to sleep an extra hour. <laughs> oh, lucky guy. <laughs> yeah. What degree were you studying in college? So I have a bachelor's in finance. So I, I heard, um, well, I, I didn't go to college for finance, but I've heard that it's a very, very stressful um, degree and what program to be in. What challenges did you face when you were studying college and how did that affect your trading? So the timelines was something that was a little bit new to me mm -hmm. as, you know, trading, kind of setting my own timelines on yeah. things. And you had more flexibility. Yeah, it was super yeah. flexible. So then when I started going to college, having to be in the routine of being at class and I miss class now I'm gonna fail in my classes because you know it's really important to go to class if you want to learn things it's, it's hard yeah. to not go to class and just read the book as you have a teacher there you can ask them a question get solved the biggest challenge was you know the time management yeah every time I was at class I was thinking you know oh, I should be trading you know why am yeah. I here <laughs> so I'd be talking to you know to someone on the sitting on the side of me showing them the stock and they're like oh, my God. oh should I leave class right now and they're like I mean I don't know, you tell me. And then it started turning into me leaving class three times a week oh, no. to go trade. <laughs> okay. And uh, quickly, you know, the schoolwork went down a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. But, you know, my parents really wanted me to go to college, and I have a lot of younger brothers, so I wanted to set the right example. Yeah. And that was 
you know, at the back of my head every single time I wanted to give up on college and mm-hmm. say, you know, oh, this isn't meant for you. I wanted to prove to my family and my brothers that, you know, whatever you put your mind to, you can do it, whether it's college or trading in the stock market. I see. Okay. Um, I'm big on when something challenges me, I try yeah. to really go for it and like prove to myself that, you know, hey, it's not impossible. If you think mm. you can only run a mile, let's see if we can do two. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to ask you, like, how is it hard to take your classes seriously when you're like already making money from trading? Like, how do you do make money from trading and still go to class? <laughs> right. Like, what's the mindset? Yeah. So at first, the first two years, it's very generalized studies. Yeah. That part was extremely hard. Because, you know, I'm taking English classes and I'm taking a history class and an astronomy class. Yeah. Which is cool. But, you know, I can just really... How is it going to help you with trading, <laughs> like astronomy? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it was difficult at first uh-huh. with those classes. And luckily I had some people around me who, you know, kind of kept the bigger picture in mind um, and pushed me to, you know, keep going. And just being myself, I'm pretty competitive. So yeah. my buddy, he had a 4.0 GPA. So I was like, you know, if he has a 4.0... I got to get very close to that. Hmm. And that was a big motivator was, you know, surrounding myself with people who had the same vision as me yeah. and they were still in college. I see. Uh, so that was huge in helping me, you know, seeing them show up. I'm like, all right, you know, we can show up and do this. There's people out there who are trading and staying in college and, you know, keeping this plan B as I always thought of it is, okay. you know, if I blow up all my accounts, yeah. at least I can go work. <laughs> That's a, I think that's a good way to think about it. Yeah. So now that you've completed and you've gotten your degree from mm-hmm. finance, I get a lot of these questions from viewers on my channel in the comments. Do you need a finance degree to day trade successfully? Can you answer that for <laughs> us? Definitely not. <laughs> oh, okay. It, did it help at all? It helped give me perspective as to how kind of bigger money thinks. Okay. So what they're looking at, where they would be buying. So mm. now it correlates now to where I'm trading is I'm looking to get in where I know institutions would be getting in. I see. The certain prices that they look at, the certain patterns or trends in the market, um, certain macro events mm. around those. So that it can give you an edge for sure, especially, okay. you know, seeing how it's done. It can show you a lot of good sources as to where to look for information, where other people are getting their information from. So instead of, you know, just going through a bunch of news articles, I just like to watch Bloomberg now because nearly every big trader has it on their TV all yeah. day and they're just watching it. So mm-hmm. if I want to stay up to date with all the latest things, go on Bloomberg, see what they're talking about. Yeah. You go over to the market and usually those are the ones that are really moving. Mm. Um, Is it true that with what you learn in finance, there's a lot of research and a lot of finding out where things are undervalued. Would that be really beneficial for swing trading, like the whole longer time period than day trading? Yeah, so if you're looking to get into swing trading, yeah. I think college is a phenomenal place mm-hmm. to go as it teaches you portfolio management mainly. Okay. So in school, they'll never teach you anything about options or at least in my school. We not didn't, trading options. Yeah, no. never, not even, you know, to hedge with them, <laughs> never mind trading them. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so I never learned any of those things. So it was more like models, a lot of models, uh, using Excel so much, going into oh. all these assumptions and, you know, looking at the risk-free rate, all these little things that I never heard of as a trader. But when oh. I went to college, like, oh, what's the risk-free rate? the rate that uh, the bank's paying to borrow money. Okay. So like, you know, if they're paying more for the risk-free rate, then we know that they're not going to be making as much money. Mm-hmm. But if it's very low, now these tech companies can borrow money for pennies on the dollar. 
So kind of seeing those little things, you know, I never thought like that before. And after oh. I kind of started hearing these terms and these evaluations and what they really look at with interest rates, especially now with yeah. Powell and inflation going on, all those things are talked about in college. So oh, I see. macro, microeconomics. Yeah. You have a whole course on those, especially mm-hmm. if you're a finance. I uh, see. So that aspect, you know, for swing trading will help you immensely. Looking at economic calendars, knowing that mm-hmm. next month's FOMC. Yeah. You know, or earnings is coming up in two months, you know, maybe we should look to get out of this position before it actually releases. Oh. And looking on that timeline and understanding how portfolio is very structured. Yeah. There's certain percentages for everything. That part of it really can help so much because you understand, you know, all right, most firms are not 100% invested in tech. Most of them no. are 10% in tech, 10% in some oil, 10% in some consumer discretionary, yeah. um, a little bit of everything. Hmm. So that aspect of it will, has helped me so much for my swing trading. Interesting. Now that you make me want to go to college. <laughs> when did you officially transition from part-time trading to full-time? Is it after college? Yeah, so after I graduated, mm-hmm. um, kind of had a little bit on my plate. So yeah. now is the time to either go join a big bank or okay. you know, fully dive into the trading, my own trading career, which mm. you know, kind of seemed almost like a suicide uh, for my family, how they considered it. Uh, <laughs> about trading? Yeah, because oh. everything you hear is just, you know, oh, yeah, you make this money. But, you know, they've seen the risk. My family's, yeah. you know, they've seen, it's hard to hide, especially when you're getting started. So they knew how much it would drain me, how much time and effort I would be, you know, tired up all night and just night after night after night. You know, some days I used to be very egotistic and, you know, try to just lose and then keep going after it and going after it. I had some downturns. Uh, so my family, you know, they saw that and they knew there was opportunity and they've always believed in me. Yeah. But parents want you to take the safe route. That's you know? true. Did, have you thought of just sharing like how much money you made with them from trading so they can see the potential? Yeah. I yeah. mean, they've seen it. Yeah. But so they just think it's too risky overall. They, they believe in it, but they also, you know, they're very structured. So um, I see. I feel like sometimes, you know, maybe they would see how I'm going about, you know, trading and they think, oh, that's, you know, what's the longevity in that? Oh, you know, always seeing what's the true longevity because they they're not, you know, they haven't put in the thousands of hours I have, Mm -hmm. you know, every day for the the past six, seven years, really just being fully into it. Um, They never got to, you know, see that side and they see the opportunity, Mm -hmm. but they, you know, I, I think after I went to college, they wanted yeah. to set more of an example for my younger brothers to uh, go to college. Yeah. It's not a bad and get a gig. real job. Yeah. Real job. You can make good money. You know, you can make six figures pretty quickly, if, you know, especially if you get into finance. Yeah. And work hard. In a year or two, you'll be making that type of money. Yeah. So guaranteed <laughs> with, a, you know, insurance, all these benefits, mm-hmm. a 401k match, which yeah. the average person sounds amazing. Yeah. But to me, it just sounds like compromising and kind of an incentive to keep you in the rat race a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so that's where I, I couldn't let that and anyone's opinion really change what I was going to do after graduating college. Yeah. So I went on a little trip to Europe uh, to see where I was from, met all my family. It was really amazing. I just went with me and my grandmother. So it's very, you know, seeing all my family, meeting yeah. them, seeing the origin, seeing how people in the Azores live off $500 a month, oh, I realized. Yeah. I could be happy making yeah. $500 a month moving here trading, and I know I can do that. Mm. So that's when I really decided, like, yeah, 
I'm going for all into trading. Oh. You know? Do you have any financial goals? Yeah, uh, definitely. So I, I'm still very early in my career for trading. Mm-hmm. Uh, I learn new stuff every day still. Yeah. I'm a student to the markets, um, for sure. I love learning new things. If I see someone with a new edge, I'm going to learn their edge because mm-hmm. that's how my strategy kind of started was learning everyone, what everyone was doing and seeing what worked best for me. Yeah. So I definitely want to kind of try to continue to build my wealth. I'd mm-hmm. love to really become, you know, maybe run my own fund one day, mm-hmm. which is a big goal, but yeah. Um, I've seen how it works and you know when I have trading friends it's like hey what if we you know all get together and yeah. you know you trade this I trade this uh, you trade this yeah and then we just pull our money and you know while you're swing trading I'm day trading and while I'm day trading you're selling options hmm. and the idea of running something like that just because I've learned so many strategies over the yeah. years it makes me want to you know I, I know there's a lot that can be done with it mm. and I think the best way to capitalize with that is you know really creating a team or being a part of a team yeah, that we can all push each other and, you know, make a difference uh, financially for everyone and be able to, you know, make the world a better place in a way. I feel like money can allow for that. And that's why running, you know, like a hedge fund or something would be mm-hmm. really awesome. Yeah. <laughs> where, where do you spend your money? So I spent a lot of money on designer stuff for a little bit. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so you mentioned fashion nerdy. Yeah, yeah. So I used to really love fashion a lot in college. Uh, mm was super into the hypebeast trend. It was like uh, supreme. Okay, okay, what well, the, well, the young kids yeah. love, okay. Yeah, um, but traveling for sure. Mm. Uh, traveling, I love eating out, really big into good food. Oh, so I love yeah. experiences, like you can't put a price tag on experiences. Yeah. So, you know, everything I bought that was, you know, material, I quickly started realizing like, oh yeah, this is cool and stuff, but unless all my friends can have it too, I just kind of, you know, what's the point? Yeah. <laughs> um, so a lot of my money goes towards just kind of traveling, um, experiences. I like to just do whatever's out there. Uh, and if it's a cool experience and someone you know, like, hey, let's go do this. I'm not going to say, oh, I can't do that. You know, it's going to be kind of expensive. I'll be like, yeah. all right, yeah, like, let's oh. do it. <laughs> You're not into cars? No Lamborghinis for you? Well, I am into cars. Oh, you so. are? Okay. <laughs> Definitely a lot of money. I have a BMW, Mm. so that has uh, taken up a good change of my money. Okay. And uh, I also have a really big dog who is a troublemaker. (laughs) Pets cost a lot of money. Yeah. 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 Especially if you obviously want to take good care of them. Yeah, exactly. You know, every little thing. You go to the vet nowadays, it's it's insane. (laughs) Yeah. That's why you need pet insurance. Yeah. Yeah. I should have got that a while ago. Uh. But uh, I think... It's like once you, when I went to get pet insurance there, I went there, I'm like, yeah, I want pet insurance. And they're like, oh, well, he has all these problems, so they're not covered. I was oh, like, oh, what's that's, the a, point? that's such BS. Okay, okay, <laughs> yeah. I see what you mean. Um, any messages you want to tell our audience watching this? So I'd say, um, you know, for any upcoming trader, especially if you're young, mm-hmm. there's a lot of distractions in life. Yeah. Um, as you level up, you're going to learn that there's new distractions. So as you find success, there's going to be a new distraction that's going to try to take you out, whether it's relationships. Um, so your discipline is going to be the number one thing. Yeah. Consistency, showing up every single day, you know, forcing yourself to get out of bed, forcing yourself to at least watch it. You'd be surprised. You know, you might feel like, man, like I'm the worst trader ever, and then that turns out to be the day that's like pivotal to your trading career. Hmm. You know, it's no rocket science. Yeah. 
you just got to take the certain steps to get there. So if you do the steps and you know, at the end of the day, anyone watching this, you know, if you're doing the right thing or the wrong thing, yeah. um, at the end of the day, you're going to go to bed and you're going to say, you know, I could have did better today or I did everything I could. And if you go to bed every day saying I did everything I could and you believe that deep down, you're going to get there eventually because mm. you're not going to let yourself down. Yeah. Very true and very applicable to trading. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Adam. Where can people find you? Thank you. Uh, if you guys want to follow me, it's Adam Raposa on Instagram. Um, that's kind of usually how I post most of my stuff. And um, yeah, if you want to follow me on there, that'd be awesome. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks, Adam. I want to say thank you guys so much for leaving us a five-star review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Your support means a lot to us. 